This podcast is recorded on the lands of the Pangarang people. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging, and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded, and that modern Australia has never come to terms with what was done to Indigenous people following European colonisation. Well may we say, God save the Queen, because nothing will save the Governor-General. You know I've searched my heart to prove There's better ways to push and pull Hey, whatever gets you through these days Hello and welcome to Well May We Say, a progressive podcast about Australian politics. This is episode 155 Sunday 16th October 2022. I'm Jeremy Sierpieko and each week I'll be joined by either a regular guest host or a different guest host and in this particular case it's our regular guest host my beloved wife Denise Sierpieko. Welcome back Denise. Hello good to be here. We are a day late because yet we, we have a new plan for regular recording of podcasts on a weekly basis which is to try and overcome the uh, it's difficult to podcast with children around element uh, and also after the children go to bed, you're exhausted, element. And we thought we could, could sort those by recording on Saturday morning and giving the children the glorious experience of what I called Saturday morning cartoons. Which is one of my favourite memories as a child. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> um, that we, we, aren't, we aren't the fun parents who are putting in front of the, the old... You know, when I was a kid, we had... It was like Transformers and... Oh. It, was, it, was the, it was on the commercial station. Like, the whole point of it being on a commercial station was that's where they, all the best cartoons were because the toys were associated with them in the commercials. Yeah, uh, we just they're just getting ABC. But in any case, it's, they can be done for long enough for us to record a podcast. However, yesterday there was an emergency relief centre in Wangaratta due to the floods and due to my work, I ended up managing that emergency relief centre for a few hours. Yeah, so it turns out Saturday morning cartoons plus, and there's a plan to do this. However, um, encroaching floodwaters covering the state, less Minus. helpful. Uh, I felt very much like Christopher Robin in the, the flood story where you basically put the stick every morning you go down and put a stick in the water and yeah. the next morning go down there and the stack sticks disappear and that's yeah. a shorter walk than the morning before um, the water was just yeah perilously close well I did actually take a honey jar into work yesterday well that's right and if you got stuck you could have jumped on top of it and floated, floated to, to um, get somebody to read the message anyway so there are two things, two main things I want to talk about. Or three things actually, because we wanted to do the new announcement yesterday from Albo of the paid parental leave. So the the other two things were the utter devastation that's going to be caused by Labor going ahead with the stage three tax cuts, which I really think we need to focus on because it's not just like this one issue that oh, oh well oh we lost that one let's move on mm. because that one really is a giant wrench of the ratchet in the screw every public services direction <gasps> and for and also fundamentally this whole idea that Labour has of now is never the time to stand up against these things. So that's one issue. And if not now, when, as Albo says about The Voice, uh, and then the other issue being this Andrew Thorburn thing with Essendon. Has that passed? Do we not care about that anymore? I actually think we kind of need to do because it is certainly a thing that, although the main the media have sort of moved on from it now at the end of the week. It'll keep coming up, especially with Peter Dunnett and people like that wanting to put it into the mainstream about discrimination and well, and, discrimination, and he's also using it in um, the Victorian election. Yeah, it's going to be 100% a thing that the very organised religious lobby that meets every Sunday will be hammering home. So, even though I'm afraid that if I don't start with the Andrew Thorburn thing, which I had thoughts that just popped into my head that I wanted to get out, I don't think that's the most important thing. The most important thing is stage three. Let's deal with it. So, stage three tax cuts are going to be 243 billion over the next billion with a B. Oh, but, gosh. Uh, over the next 10 years, they only go to. The rich, in fact, when they combined with the getting rid of the low middle income tax offset, there's actually going to be a tax rise for most workers. Yes. This is a terrible policy, which is both massively increases inequality. So because because there's a tax rise at the bottom as well, like it's, it's further giving more money to the rich and and and, make, and taking money from from ordinary people, which is just madness. But more but, of a gap, hooray! So that in and of itself creates a problem like huge, almost everything that's wrong with the country can, can come down to inequality. But the other thing that can come down to is the lack of public resources. Because since 2004, when Howard already massively slashed the, the income tax regime, taking billions out of the economy uh, on the basis that we had a temporary mining boom and that was going to fund these permanent tax cuts, the mining boom ended and the tax cuts stuck there. 
giving us the permanent deficit that then the Liberals got to whack Labor with for the next, when Labor yeah. was next in government. And all those tax cuts, they never come back. Like, this is the ratchet. You, once, once the taxes are cut, you can't, it is much harder. I mean, I want Labor to understand that you can raise taxes again. We could, could say we're just going to restore the tax rates to 2004. And when the Liberals like, oh, no, that would destroy business, you'd be like, we had an economy in 2004. It wasn't falling apart because the tax rates were where they were. We could just restore them to that level. Anyway, raising taxes is obviously harder than not cutting them. Absolutely it is. And the problem with cutting them is that the money's gone and then you're then you have to then you you'll say, "Oh, I'm sorry. Well, we have to leave social security at half the poverty line. Well, I'm sorry, we just can't fund dental and Medicare. We can't fund any of these things. We just don't have the money." And that's our excuse. We don't have the money. And then, but we do have the money to give it, we ha- we can give that money away to make it harder for next time. And what you are locking in, you are lo- you are kicking yourselves in the face. You are making it, this when these go through, you're never going to undo them like you haven't undone no. any of the other tax cuts since 2004. And it's just going to be, your new, new line will be, I'm sorry, the money's just not there. We just but politically can't. But that has been a new line for the past little while. Like even when Tim Chalmers started talking about these things, a little while ago, he started talking about there was like more money than they thought there was because of a bit of a mining boom, resources boom with some of the things happening right now and construction prices and things increasing. But he's still like, but we still going to have the big boy budget. We're still going to stick to these tax cuts. This is not going to be anything. And then like even over the past few weeks where they've been trying to, you know, read the room and have it both ways. And, and, and like the balloon. As yeah, exactly. Too. Exactly. And be like, so about those stage three tax cuts, they're still strongly sending out the message that this is something they committed to, that they are the big boys, that they are going to do this because they said they were going to do it. And once they say they're going to do something, that never changes. So, you know, they said something when they were six and they're still going to never eat potatoes because mm. when they were six, they well, said they were never going to eat potatoes. To be fair, John Howard promised that there would never, ever, ever be a GST. And then two years later, introduced a GST. Uh, and then he was never electable. He, he, he wasn't prime minister for the next 10 years. Mm. Oh, wait. If Labor can't, so before the election, when Labor's promising to do this, keep up, they, they, Labor has said and argued why these the stage three elements are terrible. In fact, I don't think they should have done any of the stages of the tax cuts because we there are more important things to do with that that those funds, such as not be starving. One, the figures this week: one in eight Australians live in below the poverty yeah, line. One in eight adults and one in six children are living in poverty line below the poverty line. That's appalling. How it is you can be like, well, that's not a big story. We can just ride that one through, but we really can't ride through the we changed our minds about a terrible tax cut that only benefits the rich. Like if Labor can't argue this, like. First of all, they didn't have to promise before the election. Yes, sure, the Liberals would have gone, Labor's going to raise your taxes. Mm-hmm. But Labor, the Liberals did that anyway. So what? Yeah. Like, is it, if, you're, if your fear is that no matter how stupid the tax cuts, you have to agree with them, otherwise you can't win government, well, why bother with... You, you can just resign. Labor, there's no point in you running for Parliament because if you cannot stand up against the Libs giving all the money back to the rich, yeah. then what's the point of you? Like, the Liberals, that thesis that you have to go along with it because otherwise they'll say you're a high-taxing government, even where you can literally show the figures showing that, that they've taxed at higher rates. Just, just you, also, you also feed them a line for everything you propose to do that you didn't specifically say before the election you were going to do. Because whenever you say that, oh, no, well, we have to do this one specific thing because it's the thing that we promised... Whenever you then introduce something new or something different, they're like, but you you don't have a mandate for that. That's not a specific thing that you specifically said. Like, you're actually feeding into their narrative as well. Well, the Libs do stuff in that mandate all the time. And yeah. they break their promises all the time. It's And the idea that the Australian voters are like, when Australians don't like a promise being broken, it's because they wanted that promise to be fulfilled. Very few Australians give a shit about the stage three yeah. tax cuts. The only people who give a shit, and I understand that Labor is afraid of pissing off big business, but again, uh, the big media, really, the commercial media barons, but the commercial media barons hated you anyway. Yeah. Why were you promising this before the election? They already hated you. They're always going to hate you. Yeah. And if your fundamental thing is we've just got to keep them happy, then the rest of us should stop voting for you because you're going to be constantly going and doing this stuff against our interests. Yeah, the only way that, you know, Sky News or any of the Murdoch media is going to say something nice about Labor is if they have, like, upside-down day. No, they'll do it if they're giving a big tax cut. If the no, Liberals no. are temporarily unpopular and Labor's willing to give the rich something that they want, the lib- the, the media will turn around and be, new- well, yeah, you're right. No, I, think, I don't think you would, they will. I think that they would instead be like, oh, see, this is what the Liberals said that they would do and you've just come and done what they've done. And 
the, look, the, the locked-in right-wing media, like Sky After Dark or, or The Australian or The Australian Financial Review, fine. They will remain implacably hostile to Labor no matter what. But the commercial generic ones, the, the Channel 9s, the Channel 7s, the, True. The, the, yeah, the, the coverage will be... They'll get better coverage if they do what the, the media barons want. But that's not about... <laughs> the problem is... That if that's what you're going to do, then the rest of us should just give up on you and vote for the Greens no matter what. Because at this point, not no matter what, but as, as long as the Greens don't do what you're doing. But because fundamentally, you're just saying, we can't we can't do our job. Your job as the party of Labor, the political arm of the Labor movement, mm. is supposed to be that you can progress the political argument. You are politicians. Your job is politics. Did they not take high school debate? It is a, if you can't defeat the shitty stage. If, okay, fine. You didn't want to fight the, the tax cuts. Like the tax cuts for low, the, the, the middle income tax cuts shouldn't have happened either because that's money that needs to be. You're you're saying we don't have the money to fund the things we do, like th- that and, we need. And to be honest, like I I think we were impacted by the middle income tax cuts a little bit, and it's like, but we're not middle income. I don't consider us like I would rather that money stay in the economy than I get like an extra few hundred dollars a year. And tax savings. Well, it's just fundamentally it's priorities, and 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 the we can't. If you're a progressive person, you can't be okay. Well, okay, well, it's fine that, we've, that social security is half the poverty line. Well, it, that's it's, interesting because you know they're saying that po- the poverty rate fell to twelve percent, which was a seventeen-year low during COVID due to those increased payments. I mean, when it wasn't the poverty, when yeah, it was at the poverty at line the poverty rather than line, half of it, and it actually managed to drag like six hundred and forty-six thousand people, or two percent, two point six percent of people, out of poverty. I know what Friedenberg said about the submarines. Oh, when, when we want something, we can yeah. find the money. Yeah, and when and and under COVID, when we needed to, when it was not the people that we already blame for being poor, but middle-income voters who, who yeah. want, we want to vote for us, suddenly we're like, we'd better make sure that they don't realise how that it's half the poverty line. Let's raise it to the poverty line so that they yeah. can live on it. Um, <clears throat> so when it's the people we care about, we're not going to starve them. It is, it, like, I don't know, it is, obviously it's class before. It's just, it's just appalling. I don't, anyway, Labour, Labour sleepwalking into these stage three tax cuts. They, before the election, they're like, no, no, we have to say what we need. We, we, we have to mm. say this to get elected, but we can fix it afterwards. Then they get elected. Then the, the economic conditions get worse. There are more, more and more justifications for abandoning them and giving them cover to do that. Yeah. They don't take them. They yeah. go, no, nah, no, nah, we're going to stick to this stupid suicidal promise that once it's passed, it's gone. That money's gone. Mm. You you're going to have to keep punching the poor in the face, and you. But you. I suppose maybe that's because they intend to punch the poor in the face, and they quite like that. From now on, they'll have the excuse. I'm sorry, the money's just not there. We yeah. can't do, because if we did it now, we'd be creating a deficit, and the liberals would punch us for that. You are you are giving the liberals the ability to. You, it's like this one-two punch. They they trick you into voting for them, and you voted for them as part of a package. But your argument at the time was, we're voting for them, and we can deal with them later because they're not come. They're not until twenty twenty four. We'll get yeah. rid of them later. You said we're voting for them all together because the Liberals refused to split up the package, and we weren't going to vote against the stage one and two tax cuts. Okay, that's your argument. So when it's coming to the, up to the election, why didn't you just say our policy is the same as it has been? We think these are in, inequitable. We can't. They're actually a tax rise for lower income earners. We don't support them. Why you couldn't have argued that it's a tax rise to the other voters? Exactly. Like well, it's a, because they're not actually very good at proactively arguing these things, just like they weren't very good at proactively arguing franking credits and other things about how it actually impacts a very small proportion of the society. And Well, the, the franking credit thing was just, it literally only applied to people who are rich but don't yeah, pay tax. But they like, don't. They, they weren't they, getting rid of franking te- credits. They, they, they still had franking credits. They couldn't talk to that. Like, they couldn't talk to this weird aspirational idea people have that they're going to be one of those people and franking credits are going to apply to them. Yeah, no, one day I might have enough shares that I can earn income on dividends and I won't be paying any tax, so the tax that was paid on those dividends won't reduce my tax because I'm not paying any, but I want to get a cash payout for that tax that I'm not paying. Mm. What? Well, because you were good and and you did your duty by buying shares. (laughs) It's madness. Yeah, so seriously, this thing where Labor... It's a brain disease, and any people you know from Labor, you've got to confront them with this. You you people think that you are that they the have a brain disease. Yeah, but but not not a not a not not one that we should have any sympathy for. This is this is just a they watch too many episodes of The West Wing. This thing here where they if you want to be strong and have a big boy fight, 
There's a big boy fight to have right now with the Liberals on these deranged tax cuts. You know why they're bad. You argued against them, like, just a year or two ago in Parliament. Yeah. Like, you know they're bad. You know how much damage they're going to do. And you know that if they go through, it's going to be a thing that keeps punching you because you're not going to have that revenue there to spend on the things that you say you need to do. You're going to eat either you're going to do the stuff that you need to do to be electorally popular to keep people happy, but then you'll have a giant deficit and the Liberals will punch you for that. Prediction, they're going to have a giant deficit and they'll get punched for that by the Liberals repeatedly because they've just given all this money away to the rich. And that's what's going to come. And that, so that'll cost them at the next election instead. Yes. Like, you're going to get punched for this. But that's you could avoid that by having the actual fight. You've got the cover. The economic circumstances have changed. It's a promise that nobody cares about. The difference between this and the carbon price is that it was a new thing. The carbon price, the Liberals were able to say, this thing coming in is pushing up your prices and making <laughs> things worse for you. These tax cuts for the rich don't help ordinary voters the liberals can't run a scare campaign it's not a tax rise it's not not they you can't run a, they, any voter you can literally say it's like it's you're not it's not going to be worse than now yeah. and in fact labor could literally because of the low income offset thing they could say actually you're better off now than you would be under those like if you can't do that now then what what can you do what, what what's the point of you and the thing is you think that you're it's like they only have this big boys standing tough, doing the right thing feeling, when they're standing up to the left, when they're punching poor people in the face, they're like, we're making the tough decisions. Yeah. But when you're being asked to actually stand up and fight for something principled and, and good and obvious, that, that if you don't, it's going to continue to cause harm to you and progressive people and ordinary citizens indefinitely, then you're like, oh, no, that's too difficult. You're giving yourself the credit and giving yourself the, the, the big boy feelings. You know what? Let's say what, big being kid cowards. from now on. Let's say big kid, not big boy. Yeah, fair enough. It's it's because in their heads. Yeah. I'm, I'm pointing out that the idea is... Oh, this, they probably think big boy. But yeah. I'm, let, let, let's, big, let's, let's degender it big boy and, pants. But let's degender it and say big kid. Well, can I be clear? When I say big boy pants, I'm not meaning that as a as a good thing. I'm no. meaning that as the... I know you know. The, the, but um, it reinforces that gender... Yeah. Okay, well, fine. But in their heads, they, they are thinking that they're wearing the big kid pants because they are being, stuff, being, being tough. And they're yeah. not. They, like, the idea that they can, at the moment that they're, they're being incredibly cowardly, yeah. be, can be deluding themselves internally that they're actually being tough and making the tough calls, that, like, maybe that's the biggest thing that, that, that we should be hammering home to Labor voters we know who, people who are like, you should be voting for the Labor Party. You know, they're, 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 the, big, they're the professionals they know what they're doing because they don't and they can't stand up for anything. If you couldn't stand up for it before the election, and you're like, we'll change it afterwards. And then after the election, they're like, no, no, we have to stick to this idiotic promise we made to, that only only persuaded billionaires anyway yeah. who hate us and who will continue. Who, who would never have voted for us because they were just going to vote for liberals who would give them that tax cut anyway and who would give them a bunch of other stuff that they wanted. And if your whole fear is, oh, well, we've always got to make sure that the liberals don't ta- out-tax cut us, then you're not progressive. The liberals should always be able to out-tax cut you yeah. because they want to give all the money away to the rich and you shouldn't. No, exactly. Do you want that or not? Because I can't. Well, it's like the boat thing. They've pretty much gone, oh, well, liberals, no matter what you do on boats, no matter how nasty you are to refugees, we will never let you be to the to, ahead of us on them. We yeah. will always make keep oh, up with horrible. you on that. It's like you've Just given show up. that we're strong on borders. That's right. You've given up on these fundamental things. Being like kind to revenue humans. and and treating other human beings with compassion. You're you've said this is in fact this is your political philosophy. We can't ever be better better than the liberals on these things. And since the liberals are always happy to push those things worse and worse and worse, you're saying we're we're getting on the cart and the liberals can keep pushing us worse and worse and worse. And we will never push back. We will never do anything. We will just but get worse and, worse and worse and worse because we were just on the cart and they were pushing it. Why would any of us vote for you if we're not if we're not comfortable with that? If we want public services, if we want refugees not being tortured, like if we don't want the worst things that the liberals are going to do, I suppose we need to vote for a party that's actually going to fight them and not just go, well, it's too hard, too hard. But do you know what labor is too hard? But do you know what labor is going to give us? Uh, we're doing segues. We are. We're doing segues. <laughs> yes. Okay. So Albo has made a promise. <laughs> Albo has made a promise to increase paid parental leave up to six months by twenty twenty six. Which on the surface sounds fantastic, right? Six months paid parental leave. But when you start looking at it, it's actually not that great. It doesn't start going up until 2024 and then goes up in about two week increments until 2026. 
Um, well, that, that makes sense. You can't have it solid. You can't. It seems, but that does seem very slow. Twenty twenty six being four years away. Yeah, and or nothing for, in twenty twenty three, which is a new financial year next year, that they are going to give a budget out oh, for. So shortly. it doesn't even start no, until. It doesn't start until twenty twenty four. Okay, that's bizarre. Yeah. And you also have a situation where it is, of course, as they said before the election, they like holding to their pre-election promises, they are not going to include superannuation into paid parental leave. So there's another massive gap where you don't get paid super during that period. Also, it's at the minimum wage. So it's at about $814. Right. So what that means is that it's the higher we income earner, who is, which is still because they haven't actually... The, the gender pay gap is still there. It's yeah, the gender pay gap is about fourteen percent in Australia. So for, in a couple where it's a fixed amount they're getting, then they're going. It's going to be more likely that the higher income earner doesn't do, which means women will still be stuck with. Yeah, parent. and it's also not that either parent that both parents could take six months. It's that either parent could take six months, and you can split and chop and change that as you wish. So, for example, I could take four months, and then you could take two months. Yeah, which. Again, why can't it just be an entitlement? Why couldn't both parents have that? Is that is that so horrible an idea? And if you're a single parent, get one year. I mean, there, there's we're still one one of the lowest in the OECD countries uh, with our parental leave, even with that that reform. It's one of those things. So, given the inequality thing that, that these that the stage two tax cuts are going to turbocharge. Sorry, people have said turbocharge inequality so many times. I've now stuck the word turbocharge with inequality in my head. But to be fair, it will. So. Fundamentally, the problem there, this is one of those examples where inequality in and of itself is the problem. So, mm. if incomes were within a reasonable range of each other, and we didn't have this ridiculous system where people who do necessary backbreaking labour get paid a tiny fraction of mm. what people um, who do the kind of jobs that, if they were paid the same, people would still fight for do, to do because they are, yeah. <laughs> the conditions are better. So, inequality is one of those things where the right wing thesis on it is hey, look, if the rich have lots of stuff, then that's great for them. It doesn't hurt you. It's just great for them. Mm. But the problem is that inequality actually does harm everybody else. It, from Everything from education, where the existence of highly privileged schools means that ordinary kids miss out because those kids are going to be competing for the same jobs and so forth afterwards. Yeah. It's a way that the inequality is perpetuated from generation to generation. Health inequality means that the public system can be underfunded and run down because the people who make the decisions and have all the money and influence in society don't system. use it. Yeah. And likewise... With the public paid parental leave, here we see another example where having massive inequality in society further retrench, entrenches that inequality yeah, in the sense that you were going to have a situation where if the payments of parental leave are the same, then when heterosexual couples are trying to decide who's going to stay home with the children and take that hit to their superannuation, now that and that superannuation definitely, mm. definitely should be covered because that's that's very straightforward. But then take, decide who's going to take that hit to their career and all the rest of it because the ma- the, the bloke has the higher income um, still because of that wage gap, which which needs to be tackled. You're right. It'll be the woman who ends up taking, uh, in most cases, because yeah. it's a financial hit to the couple, not to do that. The, 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 the mother will end up being the stay-at-home parent and then have all the costs that are associated with that, and that'll never advance. So that's another place where the inequality is feeds itself. The problem being... I don't think you, I don't think you can solve it within the parental leave scheme because what the government's not going to, it would be inequitable for the government to pay a higher rate if you're richer um, and it would be suicidal and also I'm not even sure that it would be reasonable to say to employers at any moment you may one of your staff is just going to nick off at six for six months with full pay. Uh, telling a business that they've got to pay a person's wage for half a year but that's without it. having that person there. But it's the business shouldn't have to pay it. The government should pay it. And but then you've got the government paying more to the rich. True. So in Canada, they do a system where you're guaranteed the minimum wage, but you are paid at 60% of your wage and up to a cap. That might be a way of doing it, yeah. So anything you are between that, say, minimum wage of, say, it's you know $30,000 a year, knowing different cost of living and standard of living up until about $80,000 a year, you can make up to like 60 to 80,000. I think you make up to 67, you know, you get 60% of your wage up to a cap. From so the government or from, from the government? government. Yeah. So that you still have the problem there of the government is paying more to the, the more you earn, it's, it's, the more you It get. is paying more. It is guaranteeing 
the least minimum. So people who are on minimum aren't just getting 60% of their wage or people who are just above minimum aren't getting 60% of their wage and then going below minimum wage. Yeah. Um, It's decent. It is a better idea, but it does cap it. So if you're on $200,000 a year, you would still qualify for this, for this thing, but you wouldn't make more than like the 80,000 that everyone, that is the cap for everyone else. Yeah. So, and, and I suppose there's got to be a point at which you set things up so that people can make a decision without being ruined, yeah. even if they, even if it's, it shouldn't be the government's job to make sure that that, that rich people never lose a, a no, sense it of. Is. It's a hard decision for any family about when to go back to work, when is viable, who should stay home and for how long. Will childcare end up costing more than going back to work will? And when you have primarily the mother or uh, taking off that leave and such a large wage gap, then it often does become that there is a situation where if they're looking at getting into roles that are at that 14% less, they are administration-based or that sort of thing, they are not getting paid as much then going back to work can be financially devastating. Like you can be in a whole, you can be in a worse situation once you end up paying childcare. So while I think it's great that they're extending it, the amount of leave that you can get uh, paid, the thing that really upset me about watching the excerpts from Albo speaking was him saying, this is a national minimum. I call on private industry to do more. Oh, because you think it's the leaders down the North American path of I really do locking in people to their employers. But and... it is like it's saying that I call on private industry to do more. So suddenly it becomes you don't want to leave your job because you need that parental leave that you know in the next year or so that you're going to try and have a baby. Um, don't worry, I, I doubt very much. There'll, there'll be a couple of big employers who'll do it as like a pitch, but the 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 the, the nation's worst employers won't do it. At all. Oh no, they won't. But it's just the idea that over. Since I moved here in 2004, I have heard more and more people in government say things around the lines of private industry should do more around health benefits, around things like parental leave. Like, it really worries me because it's like they're saying, we don't want to take the responsibility for this as the federal government. Well, they and can't. They're the giving reasons, all the money away. One of the reasons I moved here, like, one of the reasons I was comfortable moving here is because I thought it had a system very much like Canada's, which... You know, it's become more and more two-tier my entire the entire time of here, as well as like I realized how two-tier it was even when I came yeah, here. Like... But it has become increasingly more as they take more things out of Medicare and the gaps get larger and things like that as well. And then they're like, well, we can't afford it. We can't afford to do otherwise because you're giving $243 billion in state yeah. tax cuts to the rich. Like... Yeah, the, the, every, it all fits. It all fits together. Like it does, the, 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 the lines. This is just one more of those things. So, does uh, someone need to get up there with like a murder map with like little pins and strings pointing it out, showing them like how State Street cat tax cuts will actually impact all these other people in a conspiracy theory esque fashion? There are solutions to each one of these things. So, for example, the the childcare problem. Well, first of all, childcare appears to be extraordinarily profitable for the people who own it, whilst the people working there. Are being starved. Like yeah. that is, it is deranged. And wages in the childcare should be massively improved. And again, yeah. that's another th- another thing which feeds in because a lot of that that's again well, a heavily female yeah. dominated industry, and therefore, and that's why it's massively underpaid. And then those people will have kids, and they won't be able, and the, it'll be them who stays home with them because they've got the tiny wage because mm. the, of how underfunded childcare and early childhood learning is. And, but that's something that the government needs to be able to do, but it, ne- it also probably needs additional funding, which, again, the government can't do because it's giving that money away before it can make any of these decisions. Mm. It's, it is... The, the well, may we say... Was this from well, may we say, or do we do this from something wonky? But the ratchet. We've talked about the ratchet. Yes, we've talked about the ratchet. And I'm not going to vote for anybody who helps the ratchet always go in the wrong direction. Yeah. The, the ratchet is when they're... When temporarily, oh, we've got a little bit more money, all right, ratchet it down, give that money back to the rich. Yeah. Oh no! Now we don't have any money. Oh well, cut services to the poor. Don't have money. Oh, now we've got some money. Cut taxes to the rich. Oh no! Now we don't have the money anymore. Cut services to the poor. Always in that direction for some reason. Yeah. Now there is no reason why we couldn't have a progressive ratchet, which is the reverse. Which is right now. Oh, there's money. Okay, good. Now fund put dental in Medicare because you know what teeth are part of the human body. Oh my goodness. And teeth have a huge indicator to other health outcomes as well. How so is- poor dental health, not only does it have a social impact, um, so think about employability and, and things like that. It also has like, there are physical, there are links to heart disease and gum health. Like there's all sorts of things. It's part of the body. It doesn't make any sense. It's not part of health, the national health care. It's like, wh- wh- why is that not? I Glasses. How can you be 
a person who calls themselves a progressive prime minister who talks about how they've come up from poverty and from living in a housing commission and be like, I've been prime minister now for, oh, I don't know, this is my first budget. This is my opportunity. I'm the prime minister. I get to make the big decisions. And you know what? I'm going to fix up some of these fundamental... I've fought all my life to get here. I've finally been here. I've had to sacrifice certain things. I've had to compromise things. But I'm here now. Now I can do the things to make Australia the country it always should be. First of all, this idea... Let's be cruel to the poor. No, I'm a progressive person. So my first budget, I'm going to restore dental to Medicare because how ridiculous that we wouldn't be. It's certainly cheaper than the stage three tax cuts. Also cheaper than the stage three tax cuts. We just we always thought that you couldn't raise social security to the poverty line. It just was it was just too hard to do. And then what we realised during the pandemic is oh you we can, can just do, do that. It. We can just do that. We just did it. So yeah. we'll just restore that. There you are. And and now Australia is immediately a vastly better place. It's it's uh, there's going to also be positive economic impacts if you just care about that because the money given to social security goes back into the economy immediately and the dental care also reduces other um, health costs down the line. Absolutely. So, you know, how can you... I, I just... It is staggering to me that Albo thinks of himself as progressive and, and will be thinking in his head about, well, what I'm doing is I'm with this my pay parental leave scheme, I've just done something really good for people and so now I can sort of sit back and not care that I, you know one in six children in the country are living in poverty, one yeah. in eight adults are in, under the poverty line because, I mean, and, and I literally have the power to do that, fix that. He has the power to fix that. We just saw two years ago that he has the power to fix that yes, because they just did it. Like, he could do it. He could, he could just do it. And, and all he'd have to do is sacrifice an idiotic promise to the to the libs that the libs don't care, Alpo. Ah. They don't care. They, they, they don't like you anyway. Yeah. The, the rich people who are going to get the tax cuts, they don't like you anyway. It doesn't matter. Yeah. The idea, the, the idea that, that in, our, in Australian political discourse we're like, they, they get away with calling the Greens the party of the elites when they're the only party that's going, no, tax the freaking elites. Like... How it is that you manage to sell them as like rich out of touch lefties when they're the ones saying touch tax the rich out of touch bastards. The interesting thing is like when you look at the paper and leave, Larissa Waters is sitting there saying, you know, they haven't addressed superannuation, they haven't addressed the gender pay gap, and why is it rolling out between twenty four and twenty six in such a slow fashion? Like, you know, we're we're still like really low in the OECD countries um, uh, of that. But it's on the flip side, you have Bridget McKenzie standing up and saying. Oh, well, the Liberal Party was always really supportive oh. of paid parental leave for parents and anything that gives, you know, parents flexibility and what they want to do. And You were in government for 10 years and you didn't do it. And yeah. it's like... They basically made it that of the 18 weeks, you could decide which parent took which and you could go back and forth. Well, which was something, but yeah. But like very, <laughs> very little. Uh, it, it is... If you were the Labour Party and you're just looking at the politics of things... Instead of learning the lesson that all you can ever do is do the ratchet in the right in the direction of the right wing um, aim, you could look at the fact that when you do do something positive, the libs are coming in. They're going, "Oh no, we'd do that as well," mm. and go, "Oh, hang on, we can do progressive things that are popular and make it politically costly for the liberals to oppose them." If yeah. you talk only on the tax cut line, if the tax cuts are the thing. Then the liberals can always are always happy to give more money back to the, the rich in tax cuts. If the topic is only on tax cuts, they're always happy to give more tax cuts away, and they will always outperform you in the sense of the give giveaway aspect yeah. and tax cuts because they're happy to give away tax cuts. Yeah, but everything isn't perfect for the conservatives. You can always outperform them on giving away in public services. They don't like doing public services, but the public do like them. Well, to you can promise those things and. The fact that they come along... Look, in the state election in Victoria, the Liberals are trying to out-Labour Labour. Yeah. And, so the, and this is... Unlike refu- the refugees where Labour tries to out-Liberal the Liberals and like have Christian yeah. McKinley being like, hey, what if we're even nasty to people, refugees who don't come on yeah. boats? The Liberals are like, we're going to build hospitals. Yeah, they're we're like... We're going to build public transport. Yeah. Just different public transport than the public transport that you want to build. We'll build these trams to Doncaster, but we'll stop that rail link that would connect Doncaster to, you know, other stations. We should be seizing on that. And they should be like, excellent, we agree that there should be more public transport. As soon as they're doing that, they can't argue that these things are wasteful and, and, yeah. and it can't be done because you want to do it as well. So, excellent, let's let's have a race to the top. Instead yeah. of a race to the bottom, let's do all of these things. Why, like, why, why don't that Labour come back and say, you know what, we agree with them. Let, let, we, we can do both. Um, yeah. We have the funds to do both. Let's do that. Yeah. Like, uh, they'll be seen as irresponsible then. Anyway... 
No, but, ah. but that's their fear. Their fear is that giving money away in public services is is weak and soft and, and not being tough, whereas giving it away in tax cuts, because as soon as they do it, people ring them up and shout at them, so they, they know they must be making the right decision. Yeah. Anyway. But I would like them to try the positive ratchet. In fact, no, I don't, don't want them to try it. They are required to try or I won't yes. vote for them. Like, yes. they, it doesn't, shouldn't always go in one direction. And literally, we can ratchet it in the other direction and for, like, 20 years and still get back to, like, just where we were in, in, in halfway through Howard's term. Oh, we're, God. Like, there's a lot of ratcheting in the, right, in the correct direction, not the right-wing direction, that we should be doing. I suppose we should probably touch on this disappearing story because it's not disappearing as much as it should, being the Andrew Thorburn Essendon attacks on religion in Australia story. So uh, everybody listening to this presumably knows that they, the Essendon Football Club appointed as a new CEO, a bloke who had previously been head of the National Australia Bank and is currently head of the chairman of the City on a Hill Church. They appointed him as a CEO. Now, they were presumably aware of his horrific background at uh, the National Australia Bank, where he uh, and the NAB chairman were singled out by the commissioner, Kenneth Hayne, uh, who said that NAB stands apart from the big four for failing to learn from its misconduct. It was just widespread misconduct. They, they were doing... NAB had uh, unlicensed home loan introducers. Uh, particularly what it liked to do was... This is a big thing. It liked to do fees for no service. They were caught out charging customers, including deceased ones, they were deducting fees automatically from clients' accounts in the NAB's case to the tune of more than $650 million. Yikes! And on the window stand, Thorburn sought to portray the charging of fees for no service as a product of poor systems and carelessness. He's just like, oh, it's just, just some professional negligence. Um, that's that's massive. So this is what the, the commissioner said. I cannot and do not accept this. As I put to Mr. Thorburn, his proposition was that the money fell into the pocket of NAB accidentally. Mr. Thorburn's frank and inevitable response was, I can't disagree with that. It wasn't intended to be ours, but it became ours. <laughs> like, Hayne said, the amounts of money that just fell into the pocket of so many large and sophisticated financial entities, the number of times it happened and the many years over which it happened show that it cannot be swept aside as no more than bumbling incompetence or the product of poor computer systems. I know, it's not like it happened once, there was one big round of it, or it went on for a few months and they realised it. Like, it ongoing and millions of dollars. I thought it telling that Mr. Thorburn treated, this is the commissioner, treated all issues of fees for no services, nothing more than carelessness combined with system deficiencies when the total amount to be repaid by NAB and NEOLIS on this account is likely to be more than 100 million. I thought it very telling that in the very week that NAB's CEO and chair were to give evidence before the commission, one of its staff should be emailing bankers urging them, urging them to sell at least five mortgages each before Christmas. Overall, my fear that there may be a wide gap between the public face NAB seeks to show and what it does in practice remains. <laughs> Thorburn complained and said it was harsh. Anyway, so... Oh, and it was upsetting to read. So Essendon knew he had been head of the NAB. They can't possibly have missed that he was chairman during all this. And I think that it's more likely that, they, that him being chairman of the church was actually seen as a plus. That mm. it's one of those things where... Um, oh, he's involved in the church. It's like being involved in your community. Well, that's right. In the community, they, the, the religious lobby is trying to portray this as religion being persecuted in Australia. But what it really is, is another example of where having a, an official role on one of these bodies is actually seen as a positive And it's almost like it whitewashes yeah. previous crimes. This this person is an upstanding member of the community. Look, they're head of a church. And that that's the kind of thing that the religious lobby really really so let's let's be clear when i say it's not the religious it's not people being religious in general it's the religious right they like the idea that that they've been, had all these privileges and that, that that they can have had traditionally the ability to portray being involved in a religious organization as a positive a thing that mean that may, that, that, may, that makes up for sins like uh, i mean that's literally a sin by the way like yeah. it's not just being um amoral and and, and extorting dead people for money for no for nothing. The Bible literally has usury as a, as a sin, like lending interest. It's it's the reason why um, there there are Muslim banks that are set up in such a way that they don't do interest because mm. it's literally in the Abrahamic religions it's supposed to be a sin, a serious sin, a thing that God says don't do. And in in Christianity, like in the New Testament, Jesus was saying, to, like this is he kicked the money lenders out of the church, you know. That's exactly right. So it is bizarre to me that you have these fundamentalist Christians who are like, oh no, Leviticus says that homosexuality is bad. 
but but, but making money off. That's right. Let's actually talk about it. anyway. So and, and that's also also. Do you wear mixed fiber clothing? Because let me tell you. Yeah, it's bizarre. Anyway, so Essendon obviously changed their mind, and and keep in mind, Essendon didn't sack him. He resigned. Essendon asked him to, but it certainly wasn't that he was punished by any kind of law or the woke left. The story wasn't even broken by it wasn't broken by the Guardian or Green Left Weekly. It was broken oh. by the Herald Sun that the City on the Hill Church had all these horrific r- remarks. Like the, 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 the ACL and the fundamentalist lobby right now are trying to portray it as like they just had mainstream mainstream views. But what they actually were saying was. If you struggle with same-sex attraction, it is vital to speak to a mature Christian whom you trust so you can receive the support and accountability you will need in the long term to survive these temptations. They also compared abortion with the Holocaust. Quote, Today we look back at with sadness and disgust over concentration camps. Future generations will look back with sadness at the legal murder of hundreds of thousands of human beings every day through medicine. So yeah, it's linking abortion with the Holocaust and telling gay people they need to not be gay. A pretty like, horrible. Really, if you think of the ACL, that is actually a pretty mainstream perspective. So maybe <laughs> well, they well, they think though. That's the thing. So they they have to keep saying mainstream over and over because it, by mainstream they just mean what we, what we believe, and and that's not what the mainstream believe anymore, as evidenced by the fact that we have marriage equality now. Mm. You guys lost that one. Your your position is not the mainstream one. Well, they would say it's mainstream among religious people, and I, 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 mean, I don't have widespread polling on that, but that's certainly an indictment on on, uh, on the way that you guys indoctrinate people into your religion, I guess, in that case, if you've got such... Anyway, the crux of it is, he was not pressured to stand down because he had been a member of that church. Essendon said, you can't be the chairman of a church putting those things up there, yeah. and also CEO of a football club that has public values of inclusivity inclusion. and, and yeah. yeah diversity and, and and this whole thing where religion is like well why don't you why can't you tolerate my intolerance you're being intolerant of my intolerance that's not a thing that's oh, ridiculous God. it's the same thing as that that um, AFLW footballer who was she's Muslim and she refused to wear the, the pride jersey and the pride round and sat and sat down there like see look it's so fine you didn't mind when a Muslim woman did it I actually do yeah. so she she should whatever the punishment is. For somebody refusing to do their job and refusing to support inclusivity and so forth in, in a public setting, it's not an accidental, oh, I'm just quietly practicing my faith. You're making a public statement that you yeah. oppose equality for gay people. They weren't actually asking, you weren't even being forced to say anything. You were just being asked to wear a jersey that had positive things for LGBTI people. Yes. Um, and if, if it if, were her standing up saying, you know, the AFLW wouldn't support me and wearing a slightly modified jersey um, that aligned with my religion and that I wanted it to be a bit longer or be something like that, then yeah, I would be on I'd her be on side. Her side. But, if but this is a situation of her saying, uh, screw LGBTQIA people, I don't agree with that, I'm not going to represent that, then I'm not on her side. Seriously, right-wing people really think that we have a dilemma on the left when we're like, but what if a, when a Muslim person is mean to a gay person, well, you, you lefties love Muslims and gays, what do you do? Well, I go with whoever is being the asshole in that situation. I, I'm, I'm on the other person's side. If a yeah. gay person is, like, putting up a, a material saying, Muslims, go away, I don't, we don't, you know, if, they're, they're bully, if a gay person is bullying Muslims, then I'm on the Muslim side. If a Muslim person is bullying gay people, I'm on the gay person's side. Yeah. Like, none of them should, you, your, your membership of a marginalised group does simple. not make it okay to mar- pick on other people. You no. just don't. Anyway, so the way it's being portrayed is fundamentally dishonest. The religious lobby are trying to portray it like, well, what, what was the story? One of these ones look up where, where somebody was like, "Oh, I'm a nurse. What if I wear a crucifix at work? Are they gonna, uh, are they gonna the sack me for that?" And like, well, well it's probably not gonna allow you to wear jewelry to work we, because usually you're not allowed to. But. Yeah, there, I mean, there's some problems with that. But if you want to have one that's not actually causing problems, literally in the man, yeah, in your day, this is not that at all. He wasn't even told he had to he had to resign as CEO. He was told you can't be both chairman yeah. of that church that's saying those things and CEO of Essendon because those are completely opposed. Yes. And he could, you know what he could have done? He could have maintained those beliefs, those obnoxious beliefs. And just stepped down. And as just stepped down as church. chairman of the church. And he would have been fine. Yes. They wouldn't have got rid of him. He would have, it was, well, he didn't. Well, we don't didn't know that for sure. But at the same point, we. It would have made life difficult, more difficult for them if he had yeah. those beliefs, but wasn't actually chairman of the church anymore. Yeah. They would have had a tough choice. And he could easily have stood up and said, 
I don't adhere to those particular views too, which he very carefully did not ever do. No. Like clearly, he does hold those views. In which case, how can he be chairman of a club, CEO of a football club that does believe that LGBTI people should be treated with equality and decency? When he, like you can't, he can't believe both those things simultaneously that they are sinful and need to stop being gay, and also that he supports them being gay. Like you can't; those are yeah. completely opposed. No, they are. Anyway, whitewashing this far right like abortion is like the Holocaust nuttery. We, as if that's just mainstream religion. I, I, I don't think that's mainstream religion. Like the City of the Hill Church has now removed that from their website because, not not because they don't believe it that it's true, but because they recognise that the word Holocaust you've got to be more careful about because it's a yeah. it's a particularly sensitive word. But they still believe that that abortion is murder and that that a fetus is a human being with rights that trump the mother because they're nuts. Anyway. So, meanwhile, the religious right are working very hard to try and turn this into a real thing going forward. And just because we're not hearing yeah. it and talking about it anymore does not mean that they are not. Well, and that's the thing. So, Peter Dutton was saying right at the beginning that this was just another example of why, you know, uh, Dan Andrews has to go because he won't support uh, a Christian's right to not be discriminated against. And I, you bet that that's going to get trotted out over this Victorian election over the next little while. Ah, yes, because the Dan Andrews thing was he specifically... like the. Uh, the version is, came out on, as I did watch the media once this week, and the, the version was that once the Herald Sun broke the story and those specific quotes from the City on the Hill were published, mm. Andrew said that... Those views are absolutely uh, appalling. I don't support those views. That kind of intolerance, that kind of hatred, bigotry is just wrong. Yes. And then the commentary is like, oh, well, then he had immediately given the kiss of death to the Essendon CEO. But the Essendon CEO, A, he hadn't, because the CEO could have literally said, no, no, I don't believe those things. I'm, I'm appalled that those are on the website. We'll take them down. Like, he could have said yeah. no. Or alternatively, he could have said, I have my quiet faith and I, I, it's my own thing. But I also believe in inclusivity and fairness and so forth. And so I'm going to remain as CEO of the Essendon Football Club and I'm going to resign as chairman of that church. Yes, he could have. But like, he, he could have done that. Anyway, but so, yes, they're trying to run it that Daniel Andrews was rude about people of religion in general and people having faith. No, he was... He was condemning the specific extremist remarks Absolutely. made by the city of the Hill Church, not Christianity in general or people being Christian at work. No, he certainly was not. But anyway, they will lie about that and they will turn it into the thing. And But the problem is, I don't know that it gains them anything in Victoria anyway, because the religious lobby is already, they hate Andrews' guts for uh, allowing change of sex status on birth certificates, for the suppressing the, um, mm. conversion practices, for, uh, for, for um, so we're basically working with Fiona Patton, decriminalising sex work. Yeah. And unfortunately, they lost their 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 bill, uh, the bill that, that Fiona Patton put up, where hospitals that refused to form, perform abortions in euthanasia would have removed would have lost government funding. That would have been good. Oh, wouldn't that have been fantastic? Uh, they're also outraged that, that there's supposedly a change. There was a change to the rules about church-based schools and hospitals, for example, being able to sack staff for being gay. Mm. Um, so. The, the religious lobby already hates Andrews because for all of his faults, Andrews has done several progressive things and stood up to them. So they already hate him. In fact, actually, this is the other thing I wanted to say about Ablo, about the uh, when the religious lobby are crossed with it. If Dutton wants to try and run the religious discrimination line again, there was a thing that Crikey put out this morning pointing out the Labor Party, when it was in government last time, had set up a thing where, uh, because the, the religious lobby lobbied very heavily, that if there were reporting rules for religious organisations, it would be oppressive for small religious organisations. But all it actually has done is there's no cap on the size. So you have things like the Australian Catholic Bishops' Conference, which has an office in Canberra with more than 40 full-time staff. It's a registered charity, so it's eligible for tax breaks on things like income, FPT, and GST. But unlike other charities, it doesn't declare any, need to declare any of its income or any of its financial details to the regulator or to the broader product, public. It doesn't have... It's exempt from governance standards. Wow. And even if it did have to, the, the um, Australian Charities and Not-for-Profits Commission could not remove any office holder. It has basically total immunity from accountability. And these big church organisations have huge investment funds, huge... Um, yeah. And they don't have any... Anyway, if the religious lobby on, on a federal level were to start campaigning heavily against the, the Labor government, Labor could always come back and say... No, not, not directly in response. I could just sort of quietly mention to them, we're looking at, at fixing that. Yeah. That's an outrageous... Because they should fix that anyway. But they could at least use the fact that they're not fixing that to shut them up if they want to try and campaign heavily. Anyway, that's a bit... See, that 
are pretty corrupt. They should just do it. Like, they what they should do? It, actually, they should just look at the example of Andrews in Victoria, who's gone. No, oh, tell it. We're going to just going to fix those things. Yes. And the religious lobby has a certain number of votes. They hate lefties anyway. There's only so much they can do. They they can only get certain so angry, and like if they've already reached peak angry, you can fix those other things as well. That would actually be great, but I don't know that they have reached peak angry. I think there's always room for them to go up more. All right, so where are we? You know, the, the premise of this podcast being what can we do potentially to make things better? I think a after this podcast, like when you're talking to when you're talking to religious people who you are friendly with and and labor people you're friendly with, labor people, you can point out to them that the their whole idea that the labor party is the professional outfit that can run progressive politics in the effective way, not the airy fairy unrealistic lefty way, but they can get the things done. Will look at the fact that they're about to lock in the inability to get things done into the future. Mm. That's their they're they're giving up on this fight so that they can be completely trounced in the head repeatedly in relation to all future fights when that funding has disappeared. More concretely, if you live in a labor electorate, email uh, your labor person and say that you think these stage three can't tax cuts are horrific and that they will reward only a small portion of the society and that they will really actively harm a large uh, portion of people. Well, also maybe point out to the, your local Labour member, have they considered the future? Because yeah. when you lock these in, if you think it's hard to resist a tax cut that people haven't had, it's much harder to raise the taxes back up again where the, a real scare campaign can be run mm. against you. You are locking in your, you are making life harder for yourself in the medium term. You yeah. might give yourself a, a, a temporarily duck one fight, but you're making a whole lot of other fights are going to spring up, and you're going to lose them all because yes, you're, you are. You are actually anyway. I would be making that point, and in relation to anybody who you know from who who makes a remark around the, the family dinner table about how rough it was that that Andrew Thorburn had to lose his role mm. because surely people should have their religious faith. Well, a nobody actually made him resign for that. He could have just not been chairman of a completely far-off church. Yeah. He could have just resigned that part. Secondly, he resigned. Thirdly, why would you define religion as being the worst thing that people in the community... If you're a religious person, presumably you believe there are positive things that religion can bring to the world and there are positive things that it brings to your life. Like, why would you insist on defining your religion in relation to the most obnoxious things that the worst people associated with your religion do? Yeah. Why would you let them define you? Yeah. Don't let them define you. Cast them aside. Those people are extremist weirdos who are using your faith system, yeah. your religion. They're making profit, you look basically. bad. Yeah. They're, they're, they're using your... If you're a religious person and you do good works in the community and you have good relationships because of your... These people are taking all the credit from the good things you do yeah. and using it to feather their own nests as part of their, their grift and to do harm. And... You should be pissed off with them. Absolutely. I mean, at the end of it, all we all we really came up with as a thing to do to make things to improve things was say stuff to people who disagree with us. But, but it helps. Anyway, anyway, at least we thought we talked we thought through them. Anyway, yes. I'm just kidding. Find people who will vote for who will in Parliament do the positive ratchet instead of the bad one. Mm, I support them. Yes. Uh, anyway, thank you for joining us. Uh, we are going to our plan is to do this weekly on the Saturday morning. And uh, and the little footsteps mean that we have reached time. We have reached time. All right. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to Alex Sun for the artwork. Thank you to Robin Gray for the music. Thank you to our Patreon subscribers for continuing to support us. And, and we will see you all next week. Bye. See you soon. <laughs>